I'm going to try it one more time. Uh-huh. Can hello, you hear? hello. Hello, can you hear me? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm breathing. Any day that I'm breathing and I'm looking at a little nugget of weed, I'm doing great. Breathing and a nugget of, and you can breathe the weed. Do you smoke your weed or breathe it? I breathe it, buddy. You breathe it. I smoke it. Do you take it in through the pores? I take it in through my essence. I take it in right through my soul hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you, you, you know what? It's important to know where your soul hole is. It's everywhere. And, and for some people, it's in one particular spot, but for me, it's everywhere. Mine's behind my left kneecap, which is really weird, which is why I never... It started near my butthole, and then it just went everywhere. Yeah, you know, for a lot of people, it does. For me, with it being behind the knee, that's why I never got church, because you're kneeling the whole time, and your soul hole's closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Behind the knees. I like that. So... <laughs> You may not remember this, but I think uh, I was one of the first interviews you did. You played a casino in Maricopa. Do you remember that? Uh, what did I do? You played a casino in a town called Maricopa, Arizona. Yes. Oh, my God. We love the Native Americans. And that, that guy tried to slander, say I was slandering Native Americans, that one uh, journalist. Do you remember that? Um, I don't. Um, I, I don't remember that. I, uh, yeah, oh, I do remember that. Yes, but uh, but we uh, we were. Uh, I, I had an AM radio uh, show at the time, and uh, a guy uh, who was a promoter came in and goes, "You got to talk to this uh, comedian. She's really funny. She's playing. She's playing this place way out of the way, out in the middle of nowhere. But she's going to be big. She's playing. And the weird thing is that my house is a mile and a half from the casino." So when he said way out of the way, I went, yeah, well, and it was a great interview. So um, if you don't know who you're talking to, this is Tony Visick, and I was one of the first people to interview in Arizona, and uh, then we watched your stuff, and I went, uh, I go, this, this person is really, really funny, and I was jazzed that we got the interview, and I'm jazzed we're interviewing you now, you and your soul hole. Did you just say jazzed? I said, I'm jazzed. We're jazzed. We're not jizzed. You know, you know, I'm so happy. For, for me, I'm like totally independent. Everything I do is on my own. I, I kind of built a life like that uh, a long time ago. Yeah, so I, at the, at, on the other hand, end, there's no giant corporate entity that's going to uh, pull up with you know, a truck full of cash when you're totally independent. Because once they do, you're not. But it is a weird climate now, isn't it, for stand-up? Not only that, beyond that, for uh, so many stand-up comedians, I mean, I, I, I grew up, you know, poor and working class, um, and, and I, I think, I think you, you may have as well, so, uh, and it grew up in kind of an earthy environment, and then when we go up and we share our truth, when we're talking about our life, a lot of it is not going to be that genteel. 
Well, you know, it's very similar to, um, uh, without getting too heavy about it, um, I, I joined uh, Alcoholics Anonymous in 1985, and I was going to meetings in West Hollywood. And by the way, if you're gonna if you're gonna hit rock bottom, may I suggest doing it on Hollywood Boulevard because it'll be a real fun fall. And uh, and if you're gonna get sober. Well, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I got sober, I moved to the valley. That's how. So, uh, but uh, I went to meetings in Hollywood, and where you think that you're a weirdo, and you think you're different, or you think you're a bad person because of what you, th- just even because of what you think, and only a sick person would think this. And then you go to a meeting and you hear people sharing about not only they think it, especially in Hollywood, they invented it. They were the first ones to sing about it. You go, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Yeah, and also, I'm not the worst. And I just want to make amends. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting what people go through and all sorts of trauma and all that. And so I, I just think, like, yeah, we were talking about like, the climate and everything. It's, a, it's an interesting time, and I like to push buttons more now that people are starting to act more sensitive. That makes me even more inclined to go over the line. I don't think that people are more sensitive. I think they're using it as a weapon. I mean, when I saw the attacks on uh, Sarah Silverman, and to put in context... Um, I, I don't know your thoughts on Sarah, but um, Sarah, um, she was, I think, important uh, uh, to stand-up comedy. Is She was the first female comic of the modern era. Go, I'm going to be, a, I can talk about the same thing that the uh, guys are talking about. I can be, I, you know, I, in other words, I can throw a punch just as good as, any other, as anybody else. And she wasn't doing, fe- and there were some great women comics during that time of prior. She was the first one going, oh, you want edgy? I got edgy. And kind of opened it up where women went, oh, I can go up and talk about this without people um, uh, looking down their nose at me. So now she's being, I don't, that's, that's who she was in, to stand-up comedy and to American pop culture. And now she's like one of the ones that they're attacking. Yeah. I about a woman who was doing stand-up comedy in a time where women weren't even allowed to leave the house. I mean, sure. She was she was pushing the ticket. Like Joan Rivers, really, and even like moms may be like, if you want to go back, like women that were talking about stuff and sort of, you know, changing the tone and what the expectation of what a woman could and couldn't say. Joan Rivers was really like the trailblazer for that, and and, and it's just like. You know, it's important to have those people, and I really wish Joan was alive right now, because I'd love to hear what she has to say about all these sensitive, hypocritical sons of bitches that are coming out of the woodwork because they've got some sort of, you know, view or, or, or views or eyes on them because of social media. Everyone thinks they're important now. That's why I feel like everyone's sensitive. They're sensitive because they have a platform and people can, you know, say something and, and it'll be seen. Not that they really give a fuck about what they're saying. No, they don't care. But people are more are more uh, motivated by the outcome of what they're saying than, than them trying to improve society or make a difference. You know, and even the people we're allowing to censor comedians. It's just the people that are actually saying something. It's so fucking ridiculous that we're allowing Stacy from Wichita, who hasn't done shit with her life, to be offended <laughs> by some words. We're allowing learning skills that help society. Okay, it's taking Indian comments, not just against the women, it's against the men as well, and 
I think, you know, comedians have always been a target. Like, no one is going that Al Pacino should lose his career because he played a guy who had six people killed while he was christening a baby in a Catholic church. You know? No one is going... Is that a real thing? Yeah. No one's going after Anthony Hopkins because they go, well, he played a movie one time where he ate a guy's face, and I'm against face-eating. You know, I'm against I'm against chewing a person's face off. I, I, I'm going to go on the record, and I think... You haven't, you haven't met my yeah, man. It, I'm not talking about. I'm not using it as a metaphor here. I mean, <laughs> but uh, so, but for somehow comedian, you know, my daughter, uh, uh, I toured for a long time, and and I had, uh, what you know, like Bill Hicks was always at my house, Rich Scheidner was always at my house, uh, Craig Shoemaker stopped by, and when she was ten, one time she goes, you know what I noticed, Dad? I go, what? She goes, I noticed comedians a lot of times they're different on stage than they are off, because these guys were all like family dudes and like you know and, uh, yeah. and regular guys and go oh, I got to go and pick up the kids at soccer you know and and they wouldn't they wouldn't say shit if they had a mouthful in front of little kids and but when they got on stage they were like doing an expression as much as a singer or as much as an actor playing a bad guy sure it's part of what you're doing is you're taking to the uncomfortable part of being human and bringing it forward you know yeah and also like you can't every comedian i know for the most part, is different on stage, off stage. I'm different on stage versus off stage. I mean, your essence is in your material, but it's a performance. It's, it's exaggerated for, you know, viewing pleasure and for, uh, you know, a point being made and, and for, you know, the, the general enjoyment of watching a show. You kind of have to have an exaggerated alter ego up there. You know, carrying that through life is exhausting, and the guys who carry that through life aren't living anymore. Yeah, and what happened? Your Chris Farley. Yeah. You know, all those guys that just lived as hard off stage as they did on stage. You can't do that. No, you can't. It's like I was talking to someone who wanted to be a musician, be a guitarist, a young guy. I go, you realize you're playing for a job where the very best all die at 27. So you need to think about that. So yeah, there are those people that uh, that was, um, as I understood it, as one of Kinison's problems. He goes, he desperately knew he had to um, free himself from you know the drug addiction that he was spiraling in. He goes, but if I do, I'll be dishonest, and people, you'll be dishonest, you know. Um, so that becomes a hard thing for the Belushi's and the Kinnisons and the and the Farleys. You're right. You're absolutely right. Let me ask you this, because I think you might be able to um, uh, uh, give me a. I think you might be able to answer questions fully. I think you'll be able to fill out all the forms properly. All right. All right. So um, I've only seen excerpts of um, the uh, Netflix special Nanette. Okay. So, and some people are saying that this is very influential. I have my own opinion about it. Then I realize that, like, I'm an old white male dude. So right away, if I open my mouth, there's a certain segment. I go, you're an old white male dude. What is your opinion of uh, of uh, Hannah and uh, and her uh, her special Nanette and um, uh, how she presented it? I haven't watched it yet. I've, I've only seen excerpts as well. I don't really watch too much modern comedy. Only a little bit here and there. There's so much to watch. I mean, I can't even get through Handmaid's Tale without crying and having a <laughs> hangover, emotional hangover from 
bit. Um, I haven't watched her special yet. I've only seen excerpts, so I'll have to get back to you on that. It looks very interesting, I will say. It looks unique and uh, like a new perspective, but I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I haven't even seen Ali Wong's new one yet. No, I... I'm catching up to you. I haven't seen that. You know, it, when you do comedy, you, I'm a fan and I love it. And I love... I'm a fan of my friends. I'm a fan of, you know, uh, most comedians and... and I like to support it, so I just have to catch up on some stuff. Maybe you and I can do a little Netflix and snuggle. Uh, we would. My my uh, my wife will join us, so that'll be. Yeah, get her in there. See, you were down right down the road just a few years ago. If we'd only known then, now you're all the way up yeah, in North. No, yeah, now you're way up in North Scottsdale in Phoenix. So, uh, is this your first time at Rick's uh, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy? Well, you, you paid that scorpion, let's be honest. So uh, that's, that scorpion was called one of the fake millionaire boys with a, uh, with a Porsche kit car down in Old Town. So stay away from them. Stay away from those boys. He's from Guadalupe. Our scorpions are the only ones that actually have, uh, the male scorpions have chest implants to make them look cooler. <laughs> Yeah, the the female scorpions have tramp stamps. So, um, the biggest, your scorpions have the biggest tits I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what? We we're gonna we're gonna uh, we've created a word here, uh, scorpion tits. Yeah, perfect. They were great at Coachella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you go to Coachella? Have you been to? Do you do that? Yes. With a bunch of people dressed as unicorns, dry humping each other on mushrooms. Now that I say that, it kind of sounds great. You know what? I think uh, uh, once you come over here and we Netflix and snuggle, we should all uh, we should all get in the camper and take off and go there. We should just watch. We should just watch a documentary about Coachella. We don't need to go there. We can just, you know, what we'll do. We'll just uh, dr- pop some edibles in your living room and watch a Coachella documentary and blast it. I feel like we're there. <laughs> Yeah, you know when I was a kid, we used to go watch the Woodstock movie at drive-ins. We'd all sit on top of our cars and get high and pretend like we we're at Woodstock. Nobody actually went to Woodstock. You know, no one went. It just they filmed it and then it was shown at drive-ins and they filmed us at drive-ins and they they put it in. That's, that's the best part, right there. I mean, you just you're practically there. Close your eyes and you can feel it. You can, you can feel it. Yourself walking through all that porta potty, juicy water. It's great. Are you trying to hypnotize me right now? Is that what the fuck's going on here? I, I really am. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat an onion and pretend like it's an apple. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> an apple. I like your accent. An, an, an apple. An apple. It's. You sound like you're from my hometown. Yeah, well, I, I'm from I'm from I'm from Missouri, but somehow I got that that flat accent. You're from. You're from my town, Syracuse, New York. We see that. You want an apple? You an apple? Here, Kathy brought over some apples. 
So you went from uh, uh, the uh, Red Hot um, uh, Creative uh, uh, Lab of uh, Syracuse to uh, Brooklyn. Now, when you moved to Brooklyn, was it Brooklyn? Uh, Brooklyn now, I've, I've experienced Brooklyn from uh, the end of it where it was like neighborhoods because I'm like an old dude to it being a war zone to now it's like, it's very cool. When you moved to Brooklyn, what was it like? Well, after Syracuse, I went to Boston. Then from Boston, I went to, let's see, what was the first neighborhood I lived in? I lived in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Bed-Stuy? You know, gentrified. Yeah, do or die, Bed-Stuy. Yeah, that's their motto. And that's not a choice you get to make. They decide if you're going to do or die. <laughs> I was like the only white, like literally, my roommate and I were the only white chicks. And we were white, 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 white. Like very crisp, white. And uh, I would jog and exercise and So do you live in do you live in Hollywood now? You live in West Hollywood? You live? No, no, I live in near the ocean. I I like I like nature. I need some balance in my life. I'm on the road all the time, so I need to come back to like ocean and, and you know. Santa Monica, Malibu. What's that? Santa Monica, Malibu. No, Marina Del Rey. Oh, you're in Marina Del Rey. Okay, all right. We uh yeah. we we had a we had a place in Malibu for years that we used to we went to. Quite often, we don't have that anymore. We just, we just, we just kind of got rid of it. But so you're right about the ocean. That is the, uh, that is the. It does something to you. It, it, it does something to a person, doesn't it? The ocean. It does. Like honestly, I'll just smoke a J and just chill. The motion of the ocean and salt water and breathe all my problems. I mean, not all of them, but majority of them get solved with marijuana and ocean water. Let me ask you. Do you find a? Here's one of the issue I say with the ocean. So we had a, a place. It, it wasn't our place, but it was. It was like gifted to us for over a long period of time where we could go down there on the weekends right on the water in Malibu. So we would go down there and we'd have all these L.A. plans because we got friends and I've got family in L.A. And, and once we saw the ocean, we would just sit down and go. Right. And for a whole weekend, I would just stare at the ocean. Do you find it hard to motivate yourself when you're at the ocean? That's true. I've been, I've been definitely uh, guilty of it, but I'm, I'm pretty self-motivating for the most part. Because otherwise, if I don't succeed in doing things, I'm like self-loathing. Like, why didn't you do that? You, you really had to binge-watch Handmaid's Channel for, for six hours? Now your eyes are all puffy because you've been crying about it. You could have been out there writing a script instead of watching somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> In it, most most comics have to be. There are certain comics, and I'm sure you've experienced this. Who you're all there at the starting line, you're all kind of jogging along together, and someone just reaches, kind of reaches down and picks one up, not one that's particularly more talented than anybody else. Go, you will be raptured up to the top of the mountain now, and they just disappear to the top, and then everybody else is still running, you know, and all of a sudden they've got they've got a three picture deal, and you and you're going, how the fuck, and. Uh, 
that's where you got to make that decision if you're going to be self-motivated or not. That's true. I just remember guys all of a sudden go, so and so's a showrunner. I go, he's illiterate. He he can't he doesn't he can't read and write. Go, yeah, I know. So it's a big hit show, number five, CBS. So it's a weird you to walk into traffic we want you to stick around uh you are you are one of our favorites and we're glad you're in town uh and i'm always gonna put i'm always gonna butcher your name jessa may or do you say jesse may yeah okay like share like share <laughs> and she is at rick bronson's house of comedy tonight for two shows saturday for two shows sunday you're doing the sunday show We'll bring the chill runs. Uh, who's, we'll bring the chill who's on the Who's on the show with you? Do you know? Yeah, uh, two of my comedy brothers. We got Jimmy Wisman, who's amazing. We got two amazing podcasts that are very successful. Yeah, him and James Petragallo. That That's a great podcast. Yeah, and who else? And Marty Caproni, who I've been touring with for years. He's a comedy friend of mine. He's out of Chicopee, Mass. He's been doing comedy for a long time. Very funny. Those are my comedy brothers, and whenever I can work with them, I take the opportunity. Uh, do so because I really don't have real brothers, so they're they're my real brothers now. They're taking me out of trouble, and they also get me weed. So <laughs> you know, I love Jimmy. Uh, tell him that Tony Visick said hi. Uh, his father decided. His father, I think, his father decided to argue politics with me one time on Facebook, and finally, I wrote because his father's a Trump supporter and I am not, and uh, uh, and I write a lot of political comedy for national use, and so. <laughs> at one point, this guy, and I started going after this guy, and I went, wait a minute, are you Jimmy's dad? I go, I can't. So I actually unfriended the guy, because I wouldn't be saying mean shit to Jimmy Wishman's dad, you know? I go, I can't, I can't talk, talk to this guy. People, I can't talk to people my own age. They're all dying. So, uh, <laughs> listen, that sounds like a fantastic show, and yo, uh, I apologize about whatever the glitches were uh, this morning. We will get them straightened out for the next time you're here, and the next time you're here, we'll all Netflix and snuggle. All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you this weekend, Jessica May. Rick Brunson's House of Comedy. Goodbye, bye. Well, we we pulled it off. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It came through. She. Uh, uh, I don't want to use terms like um, uh, she was a delight because it's some sort of. But that was just that was just, she's just fun to talk to. She's been cool since um, the first time she was in town. She. Um, um, she actually worked um, uh, at the casino down the street, and I guess there was some because she, you know, she she's a fun she's a fun person. She would go up. And, uh, uh, the fun person at the party is always the person who doesn't act normal at the party, yeah. you know. And uh, she's the type of person who's not going to act normal on stage. And I, I guess somebody said she was disparaging Native Americans, and I I just you know this is you know. Uh, Comics have always been, they are always, when there's cultural shifts, they are some of the first to attack, be attacked. Way back in the, uh, uh, the beginning of the 20th century when uh, silent movies were huge, 
there was a, a, a big star, one of the biggest stars of silent movies, was a guy named Fatty Arbuckle. Fatty Arbuckle was accused of, uh, he became very lurid, of, uh, and he, off stage, look, he was a poor kid who was fat, who all of a sudden became ungodly famous and rich by being silly and funny on camera. And he was funny, I've watched his old stuff. I mean, it's all old stuff. And he was accused of uh, raping a woman and uh, uh, actually causing her to die. And they said he raped her with a Coke bottle. And it became, uh, it became a big attack on Hollywood. These people are all perverts and weirdos out there. He was found not guilty, but his career was destroyed. Uh, in the 50s, when the country was turning really rightward, and they were, uh, they were trying to root out communism in Hollywood, Charlie Chaplin, who had never gained citizenship, even though he'd been in this country since 1906, uh, they did, he went to England, and they denied him entry back in the United States for like 20 or 30 years. Um, Jack Parr was uh, the host of The Tonight Show and used the term water closet in a monologue. It was immediately kicked off the air. The Smothers Brothers, Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, was one of the funniest shows on television, one of the top shows on television in the late 60s. They were totally against the Vietnam War. Uh, because of a phone call from Nixon's White House, CBS canceled them. So... Um, We've seen this happen before. We've seen this happen before. It doesn't mean it's not going to stop. And it doesn't mean uh, uh, that uh, good people, oftentimes in these situations, good people get hurt and bad people rise for quite some time. But, um, uh, and I make choices on stage to not talk about certain things just because I don't feel like talking about them. I don't feel like running down or disparaging other people or groups. That's not my thing. But I reserve the right. I reserve the right to use every word in the English language. I reserve the right, although I there there are words I, I won't use. I go, there's no need for this here because I just want everybody to laugh and have fun. So it's going to be a time for a while, and we're all going to have to hang through it. And my theory is, since we can't get the real bad guys, we're going after the good guys who sometimes pretend because they wear black hats uh, on their shows. So uh, hang with us, ladies and gentlemen. Because uh, it's always the darkest before the dawn. So I think the dawn is coming soon. Anyway, I want to thank uh, Jessa May for calling in. What, it, was, it was just so gracious of her. And I want to thank you for uh, hanging out and listening uh, to our uh, wedding anniversary podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to end it now. We're going to leave you now. We're going to leave you now, ladies and gentlemen, until next week at Friday at 9 a.m. when we'll be back with this American Podcast Comedy Edition on Comedy Schools Radio Network. Dot com. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Somewhere on the dark avenue. I speak tonight for the dignity of man.